Well, I'm so glad that you're with us today and part of the family. I want to talk to you again about reigning in life and uh, talk to you out of Romans chapter 5. If you've got your Bible uh, or your your eyeballs, uh, either would work because we'll probably go to the screens. And uh, I want us to start by reading uh, our source text today. Uh, for the Reigning in Life series, and that is out of Romans chapter 5 and 17. Romans chapter 5, 17. Uh, I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard Bible. Amen? For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Let's read it again. I want to break it out a little bit uh, and uh, just encourage you by trying to break it down a little bit more in that we understand all of this. Uh, Who do we know transgressed? Who started all of this mess of transgress? Adam, okay. So Adam starts the mess of transgress, and then we were in him when he transgressed. Uh, So it was inescapable. It was inescapable that we would uh, not experience the death that he experienced, spiritual death. Uh, And uh, all of the earth was thrown into uh, a place of the curse and futility and and loss as well, subjected to those things, according to Romans chapter 8, not of its will, but because of this fall and Adam subjecting the earth to the influence of the demonic realm. I want to pick it up again. Let's just read it again. For if by the transgression of the one, that's Adam, death reigned. Everybody say death reigned. That means death was in charge. Uh, Death reigned. Death reigned through that one. So death came to all of us, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now, how did we receive the gift of righteousness? How did we receive the gift of righteousness? Who did that come through? So whose righteousness do we stand before God in, our own or in his? Yeah? We stand in his righteousness before God. He clothes us with righteousness. Amen? And so here he says much more, more even, more extreme. Now, this is crazy, but if you think about, because we will often think about, you know, salvation's good, but the curse is even stronger. You know, salvation is a, it's a, it's a good, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely affected, but, you know, I mean, I'm not affected that much. Or, you know, you know, things are better, but they're certainly not as good as they should be. And, you know, we, we often think that the curse is, the curse and death and sin are so powerful that, that we've got, you know, we've got kind of a token of something better. But he says much more. He says much more, those who receive, if death reigned and death was powerful and if death affected everything and if death was pervasive, 
much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. Now, that means that's us because we have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Amen? Have you received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness? Now, you know I'm messing with you when I'm trying to get more of you to respond, and I say only five are responding and 15 are responding. But the truth is, I really believe as we unpack the word today a little bit, I think the truth is we'll see where we need to come up a notch in our receiving. That's my hope. My hope is that we come up a notch, that we move out of that which has become the religious framework that we're used to and that we come into a higher realm of walking with God that is beyond the religious framework of what we're used to. Okay? So he says, much more those who receive the abundance of grace. I want to focus in on the abundance of grace. A few weeks ago, we focused in on the gift of righteousness. I talked about that. Today, I want to focus in on the abundance of grace. And I want to talk about a little bit about what grace is. I think this is important that we talk a little bit about what grace is. Grace is the word charis in the Greek. It's, it's, that's where we get the word uh, charis. It's in the Greek uh, over 170 times. C-H-A-R-I-S. And we know it to be, we're even called charismatics, okay? Charismatics is kind of a neo, it's a new terminology for Pentecostals. Uh, and by the way, I think, am I right? Am I wrong? Is today Pentecost Sunday? Does anybody know? I think today is Pentecost Sunday. We're 50 days from Passover. This is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. So maybe a good day to be talking about the grace of God. Wow. Because on this day we commemorate that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, enabling the church with gifts of the Spirit, and thus we are called charismatics because we've received fully or we embrace fully that the church has received the gifts of God or the gifts of Jesus. Amen? So we have, it's, it's kind of the fullness or the culmination of what we talked about last week out of John 20, 20 through 22, where Jesus came in the room after the resurrection. He shows them his hands and his side and his feet, and then he, he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Yes? And then he says to them, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Then he tells them, Tarry here in Jerusalem. Don't leave until you are clothed with, endued with power from on high, for the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so then uh, ten days later, as they, as they prayed... Uh, then we see the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and they received the fullness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And this upon anointing came upon all of them so that they could that they could function, that they could live as Jesus lived in the earth. Amen? That's you. You live as Jesus lived in the earth. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter if your breakfast was bad. It doesn't matter if you had ego waffles with high doses of sugar and now it's dropping out of your body and you feel the sugar shudders and you're feeling like poo right now and it's not Winnie's poo but you're feeling like some kind of poo and it's not going well for you at this moment or maybe you shot up on four shots of caffeine with a squirt of chocolate and a little bit of milk and that's falling out of your glucose veins right now and you're feeling like at this moment you are not that overcomer that you really are it doesn't matter what you feel like it doesn't matter what emotion comes upon you it doesn't matter if your favorite dog died right before you were leaving for service No, Lily did not die. I'm not alluding to a metaphor. She's at home waiting for us patiently. But it doesn't matter what happened to you emotionally or what you're dealing with. The Word is 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 the Word. The Word is true. The Word is greater than my emotions. It's greater than my diet. It's greater than my glucose. It's greater than my attitude. It's greater than anything. So I superimpose the Word upon me and bring me into alignment to the Word, not the Word under the circumstances of my crud. My crud has to bow to the Word. The crucified life doesn't mean just putting away sin. It also means putting away unbelief. It, it doesn't mean I don't smoke and drink and chew and run with the girls that do. That, we have... We have we have depths of unbelief that are much, much more powerful than any of that, that are disarming us, disabling us, quenching and destroying the life of God on the inside of us, that He said is ours. He said is ours. And yet, and yet we are allowing things to harm what is ours and what He's given us. Hello, somebody. So grace, he says it's an abundance of grace. It's 170 times in the word, the word charis. It's, from, it's the word from which we get gift. It's the word from which we get uh, endowment, inheritance, a gift, enablement. Um, it, is, it is God giving you what Jesus qualified you for. Grace is God giving you what Jesus qualified you for. Jesus qualifies you with the gift of righteousness. And grace is poured out upon you because of it. So your life is full of gifts. Uh, it's, 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 it's really the summary of the promises even. The promises are just simply grace put in writing. We have to know what grace is, so then God put grace in writing by declaring grace in promises. I'll forgive all your sin, I'll heal your body, I'll renew your youth, 
I'll prosper you going out and coming in. Every single promise that he's ever made from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Every single promise that he's ever made, those promises are the checkpoint, the listing of what grace is, of what grace is. Grace is, grace is the application of your representative. Uh, uh, what's that mean? Application of your representative, Jesus. Uh, in other words, grace is actually a person. Grace is stuff. Grace is things. Grace is tangible. Grace is ethereal. Grace is, grace is gifting and enablement. Grace is power. But grace is actually a person. Grace is a person. Think about this. When we think about, when we talk about Jesus dwelling in you, he was the embodiment and is the embodiment of grace. So grace dwells in you. Want me to prove it to you? I will in just a moment. Just be patient. Um, I'm, I'm just, ah, wow. Isn't that cool? Grace dwells in you. You know what I think conviction is? Conviction is the Holy Spirit showing you who you are by Him, showing you who dwells in you, showing you your ability and your capability. I think when we fall short of the grace of Him who dwells in us, when we fall short of that, conviction is the Holy Spirit showing us who we are, and what we're empowered to be and to do. You know, it's crazy. The Word says, um, the word says that we're not under the law anymore. It says we're under grace. Uh, Romans 4, I think it's 14. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Uh, but guess who wrote the law? Grace. Grace wrote the law. I think what it means when it says we're not under the law anymore, it's like, why would you, why would you be under a lesser thing? Like, you get to hang with a family instead of being adopted into the family. The lesser thing is the law, which was just external. But grace is the living love and empowerment of God on the inside of you. When you're actually brought into the family, it's such a higher realm. Let's look at John 1.14. John 1.14, I want you to see where grace actually is Jesus. The Word became flesh, John 1, 14. I want to read 14, 16, and 17. The Word became flesh. What became flesh? The Word. The Word became flesh and lived among us, and we saw His glory, such glory as of the one and the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, For from His fullness we all received grace upon grace. 
Now, this is crazy, but this, you, I mean, his life was like a, a gemstone of gift enablement and gifting. Woven within Jesus was, was all of the gifts of God. And, and you think about this, this is woven in, uh, and, and this is crazy, I, I, I don't know if you can comprehend this, but woven in Jesus was all the gifting of God, but, but, the, but what was woven into Jesus as the gifting of God, and what they saw was not Jesus in his full divinity, it was Jesus in his manhood. Think about this, that the first Adam was so gifted you know, some say that maybe the first Adam could walk on water. Am I messing with you? The first Adam was so gifted and enabled. The first Adam, think about, we only use, I think it's 10% of our brain power right now. Well, there was an Adam that used it all. The first Adam was an amazing being. And, and so when we think about the second Adam, when we think about, see, when we read about the greatness of Jesus, we think, well, yeah, that's because he was divine. He was the Son of God. But you know what? Adam was called the Son of God. Oh, I'm really messing with you now. Adam was called the Son of God because he really was the Son of God. And in Adam, there was no sin originally, and so he was able to eat from the tree of life and the tree of wisdom and knowledge. The first Adam was a sight to behold. The first Adam would have blown you away. And we're actually being changed into the image of the second Adam, who is, who is in the likeness of the first Adam. When God sent Jesus, or when Jesus came, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 45 and following. When God sent Jesus or when Jesus appeared, he didn't appear like some foreign substance. He actually appeared in, the, in a type of the first Adam. And Jesus and the first Adam were not like this big, like, difference. You ever thought about that? So when Jesus came as the second Adam, he came in perfection. Well, so did the first Adam started in perfection. He came with power. He came in fellowship with God. He would even fellowship with God in a garden in the cool of the day, every single day, just as the first Adam did, Right? So again, Philippians 2 makes it very clear that everything we saw about Jesus when he was seen on the earth was not his divinity. It was Jesus in his manhood. See, there's something powerful about perfected manhood of whom you've entered into and he's entered into you. If we would pay attention to the perfected manhood, to the witness of the perfected one dwelling on the inside of us, our lives would escalate at a higher level and at a higher pace. Why? Because the dominant one, resurrection and life, the supreme one, the superior one, the one who is grace, who embodied grace, 
Everywhere he goed, he everywhere he went, goad is not a word, everywhere he went, well it could be if you're moving cows, I suppose, but everywhere he went, he was pouring out grace. There was gifting, endowment, enablement, empowerment flowing out of him everywhere he went. There was perfect love flowing out of him everywhere we went. And and all of those who walked in fear and got near him, in his circumference, in his sphere, all of those who got near him were influenced by his perfect love and fear was dispossessed. It had to go. That's you. That's you. He... He, that same Holy Spirit that he embraced, see, he was one with the Holy Spirit. He was, it's not like, again, again, he was in his manhood, but he was anointed of God. You are in your manhood, covered in his righteousness, and anointed of God. Amen? So grace, it says that, that from His fullness we all received grace upon grace. Verse 16, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized, manifested, given through Jesus Christ. Grace. Grace is the source of miracles, Acts 6, verse 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. This is Acts Acts 6, verse 8. Um, Why could Stephen, an ordinary man who was, uh, he was simply a waiter. Anybody work, uh, anybody ever work as a waiter? Raise your hands if you ever worked as a waiter. Have you, any of you ever worked in the restaurant or hotel or hospitality industry? Raise your hands. Hands up, hands up. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, guess what? Any of you still work in the hotel, restaurant, or hospitality industry? Still work? Hands up, hands up, hands up. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So listen, listen. This is what Stephen was. He was an ordinary worker in the hotel, restaurant, and hospitality industry. But he was full of grace and truth. Is that what it says? That I had the truth. Now, Stephen, grace and power. Chapter 6, verse 8. Are you there? Are we okay? I'm just showing you that grace is a source of miracles. Grace is a source of miracles. Stephen, a man full of grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Yeah? Isn't that cool? So grace is a source of miracles, yes? It's a source of the Word. Look at Acts twenty thirty-two. Now, brothers, I entrust to you God... And I, brothers, I entrust you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This is interesting. His word is actually the word of His grace. 
When you read the Word, you're actually reading about grace. You're reading about His grace. The Word is flowing out of grace. It's interesting. Hebrews 4.16 says, actually, when we pray, we approach the throne of It's interesting, God wants His throne to be known as a throne of grace, a throne of endowment, of gifting, of favor, of power, of kindness, of ministry, of enablement. This is, this is very much like the Holy Spirit coming upon you. It is very much like a Pentecost where the gifts of God, the kindness of God comes up on your life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit that was poured out upon the church on the day of Pentecost, it was an upon anointing. It was a supersized anointing. Less fattening, but more powerful. You were supersized in Jesus on the day of Pentecost. So grace is the source of the Word. Amen? Titus 3, 7 whom poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made errors, errors according to the hope of eternal life. My verbiage is I'm, I'm struggling with my words today. You're not errors, you're errors. Whew, Lord, help us. Justified by His grace. Justified by His grace. Grace, grace is a source of justification. Now, the reason I'm going through this, I'm just showing you that this word charis shows up over and over again in the New Testament. 170 times it shows up. And it's hard, it's a, it's a real flexible word in the Greek is what theologians say. This is a flexible word. It doesn't mean just one thing. It means so much goodness, so much kindness that flows from God. And sometimes it's power and sometimes it's gifting. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says that when Jesus ascended out of hell and He went into heaven, it says He gave His gifts to men. And the word there is charis. He gave His gifts to men. He's poured out His gifts upon us. So this word is really flexible. It's really, it's just, it, you can't just pigeonhole it into one thing. You can't just say it's one thing. It's, it's broad, it's vast, it's big, but it's the very source. And, and, that's, and that's, isn't Jesus vast and amazing and big? It's, this is Him. You can't separate Jesus from grace. You can't separate grace from Jesus. He covers you, then He fills you. He covers you, then He enables you. He covers you, then He strengthens you. He gives you gifts. He gives you favor. He gives you endowments. He gives you ability. All of this is supersized. All of this is much more than you are in and of your own self. Now, where I want to go today and what I want to emphasize especially today, is that I want to emphasize how that all of this is accessed by faith. All of this is accessed by faith. Romans 5, one of the greatest passages there is on the abundance of grace, 
again emphasizes over and over again that it is by faith. It is by faith. And Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the strongest passages there is to emphasize that all of this grace flows to us by faith. Here's my fear. Here's what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is we've separated salvation from salvation. What I'm thinking is, is that to us, we've come to know or think theologically that salvation means to be forgiven of sins and ready for heaven. And then we've put some kind of a a big speed bump right there or maybe a stoplight right there. And so then we've separated salvation from salvation. We, we, everything else, we're not sure about that. Now, every Christian will talk as if they're sure about salvation, but, but not every Christian is sure about everything else that flows out of the divine one into their life. We're not sure about the fruit of the Spirit. We're hoping that more of it shows up. We're not sure about healing. We're hoping for that. We're not sure about blessings. We're, we're hoping for that. We're not sure if we need to crawl through more glass, if we need to do more good works, we need to pay more penance. If we, it, could be, it could be that we need to put a few more mites in the offering plate. We're not sure. We're just not sure about those things, but we're praying for those things. We're, we're hoping for those things. And so, in essence, we've separated salvation from salvation. Uh, uh, we've put this stoplight, we've put this speed bump there. Instead of seeing that you are an arrow out of God's quiver. Did you know that? You're an arrow out of God's quiver. Instead of you asking for more grace, you should be asking, where should I point the grace you've given me? There is value in petition. I I truly believe there is value in petition, but the petition that we should moan and groan about, the petition that we should crawl on the floor for, the petition that we should wail and desire for is not a petition of give me grace. It should be a petition of where do you want me to point this grace today? I'm trying to mess up all your theology. I'm trying to just really mess it up the best I possibly can. And gets you thinking biblically. Last I checked, have is a past tense word. Yes? We have been given this grace. And it doesn't matter how you feel. Here's the way faith works. The way faith works is you have to start believing it before you feel it. Faith does not work like the love between you and your spouse. You don't get tingly feelings first, see fireworks, want to put on their lip gloss on yours. It's it's not like that. It's not a hormone. Faith is not a hormone. (laughs) And most of us learn after a while that even love is not a hormone. That if we love when we don't feel like it, hormones pop up. I don't know. You know, things happen. You know, suddenly I feel more lovey. Because I just went ahead and acted like I love anyway. We're talking about the power of you believing. Because we see in the Word, and let's read Ephesians chapter 2. And I know I'm pushing the timeline right now. Everybody's saying he's pushing. 
You'd think I would have had enough time to say something. I feel the barbed wire fence right now. One more point and I'll be through. But God, I'm starting uh, at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy. Everybody say rich in mercy. Because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And He raised us up with Him. And He seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You and I are living in the ages that were to come. This was written nearly 2,000 years ago. And in the ages to come, he just, He's showcasing us. He's showboating you. Who will receive this abundance of grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not a result of works so that no one would boast. For by grace... Verse 8, you have been saved through what? Through faith. How do we activate faith? I need to go much deeper than I have time to go deep, but uh, put on your snorkel. I'm going to do the best I can in about two minutes. How do we activate faith? Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Uh, what is a thing hoped for? Let's, let's go with me here. Hebrews 11, are you there? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Okay? Um, The substance of a thing hoped for would be the completion, the full, mature manifestation. That's the substance. That's something hoped for. Let's move it to an agricultural thought for a moment. Work with me here. A farmer hopes for a thousand acres of wheat. What is the substance of a thousand acres of wheat, the evidence of things not seen. Wheat seed. Wheat seed. If he has wheat seed, if he has wheat seed, then he has the evidence of wheat. Right? Is not seed the evidence of something bigger and better and mature and something that you can enjoy, something you could eat? Right? So actually, when it says faith is, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, we can actually change that to say seeds are. Right? Guess what his word is called? 
Luke 11, Luke 8, 11. Luke 8, 11 says that the word is seed. 1 Peter 1, 21 through 23, the word is seed. It's incorruptible seed. It's powerful, life-giving seed. So how will that farmer, how will that farmer get a crop? He will put the seed in the ground. He will not just examine the seed and say, that's good seed. He will not just hold on to the seed and say, I like that seed. He will not just say, I hope that seed produces something. Uh, he will not say, uh, and by the way, if he has a bin of that seed, a box of that seed, a bag of that seed, and he uh, is wishing for a crop, uh, he can wish and hope all he wants to. He actually has, he, and this is what we have, we walk around we actually walk around with a bin, a bushel, a box of seed. We actually walk around with a bunch of this stored up in our heart. But there's only one way to get it into the ground. The only way to get it into the ground is to agree with it. The only way to get it into the ground, the spiritual atmosphere of your future, where it will bear a crop, is to agree with it. Yeah? This is how we, this is how we reclaim salvation. Salvation is not meant to have a stoplight or a speed bump after forgiveness and heaven. Salvation is the word sozo. It means delivered out of bondage, delivered out of Adam, delivered out of the curse, delivered out of every disfavorable thing, and delivered into promise, delivered into breakthrough, delivered into gifting, endowment and endowment, delivered into grace. It's a complete word. S-O-Z-O. Salvation means to be delivered out, to be taken in. And we activate it as we agree that it's ours. This is why I say, stand with me this morning as the band comes. This is why I say, church, here is a, I'm giving you breakthrough keys to your whole future. Because all of us fall into the religious rut of asking God for the things He's already given us instead of thanking God for the things He's already given us. We all fall into the religious rut of acting like we don't deserve what He's already given us. We all fall into the religious rut of asking God to bless us instead of thanking God for the blessing. We, we all fall into the religious rut of feeling like we aren't and if you feel and talk and believe that you are nothing or little, that you have nothing to give, that you're just a worm asking God to bless you, then you, then you actually don't have faith. Because faith is an assurance that you have something. And if you have something, then you plant it with the voice of agreement. Thank you that I have ability. I have gifting. I have endowment. I have prosperity. I have breakthroughs. You're to be an arrow shot out of God's quiver. You're not to wake up groaning and moaning and somehow working your way up into some kind of an attitude where you could ask God for more of something. 
Maybe if I don't think a profane thought between now and breakfast. I'm going to work on this really hard. If I don't think a profane thought between now and breakfast, and maybe if I am very kind to my wife, trying to work my way through this Christian thing, it's really tough. If I don't yell at the dog, I'm going to walk softly, and possibly, I'm not going to pray yet. Don't, no prayer yet. No prayer. Calm down. Possibly by the time I'm ready to pray, God will be in the mood to be gracious to me. No, you pop out of bed full of grace. Him who is grace lives in you. You pop out of bed an overcomer. The overcomer lives in you. You pop out of bed asking to be the arrow shot out of his quiver today. Shot today. Where will you point me today? Where will I pour out gifting, enablement, endowment, power, kindness, ministry? Where would you have me go just mess the devil up? I want to be on assignment today. Why? Because grace is on me. Grace is in me. Grace is of me. I'm a new creation made in the very image of grace. And the more I believe it, the more I accept it, the more I acknowledge it, the more I welcome it, the more I receive it, the more I'm changed from glory to glory into the very image of the one who made me. Oh, how do seeds work? We don't know. We don't know. We plant the seed and then it springs up and it begins to grow and how we don't even know how it works but it just works because there's life in the seed but we have to plant the seed not examine the seed not walk around the seed not question the seed not hope that the seed produces but acknowledge that very life-giving seed is working within me and it will be released into the atmosphere of my life Come on, raise your hands this morning and just say, Lord, I receive grace today. I receive grace today. Enablement, endowment, endowment, empowerment, inheritance, strength, riches, favor, kindness. I receive it today, regardless of emotion, regardless of religion. Regardless of what I've heard, regardless of how I feel, I know your word is true and it's been poured out upon me. Send me as an arrow. Send me as an arrow to release your grace everywhere I go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you, church.